Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. God, give us men. A time like this demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and ready hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill. Men whom the spoils of office cannot buy. Men who possess opinions and a will. Men who have honor. Men who will not lie. Men who can stand before a demagogue and condemn his treacherous flatteries without winking. Tall men, sun-crowned, who live above the fog in public duty and in private thinking. For while the rabble with their thumb-worn creeds, their large professions and their little deeds mingle in selfish strife, lo, freedom weeps, wrong rules the land, and waiting justice sleeps. That's a poem titled, God Give Us Men, by Josiah Gilbert Holland. And it is a cry for help in this end time, when we really are lacking men. Where are the men? That is quite the important question to answer. And that's the question being asked in the preface of Biblical Manhood, a book that you can get for free at thetrumpet.com. I believe you would have to download it there and print it yourself, or you could read it online. That's Biblical Manhood at thetrumpet.com. The preface here is titled, What Happened to Manhood? Mr. Joel Hilliker writes about manhood that people don't really know what it is. You could probably ask a million different people about it and get a million different answers. What is manhood in the first place? If we're missing it today, don't we need to know what it actually is to be able to find it, to be able to build it? And Mr. Hilliker says you have to go to the Bible and you have to look and see what does God say about manhood. He actually has a lot to say about it. There is a lot to this. This concept of manhood should affect every aspect of a man's life. His work his leisure time, his family, his personal spiritual time, his health, his hobbies, and even the things that he chooses to avoid, the friends he makes, his contributions to society and to his church. Meeting God's standard is a challenge, a noble challenge, Mr. Hilliker writes. 
but it is made all the more difficult by powerful forces within modern society working against you. Again, this is in the preface to biblical manhood available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. This preface is titled what happened to manhood. And that's why it is so difficult to find manhood today. Society discourages manhood. And that's really all we need to know to realize that our society is suicidal. To hate manhood and to try to abolish manhood means we have a death wish. It's that simple. It just cannot work if there are no men. There's a subhead here. The incredible shrinking man. It says here, what is manhood in society today? In a world of same-sex marriages and transgender bathrooms, the answer to this question has never been more confusing. This generation has challenged, castigated, and changed virtually everything that has defined manhood throughout human history. And he starts to talk about here how men are leaving home later. They are marrying later. They are having children later. And even in prime working age, about one in six men are not working at all today. That's talking about America specifically. 60% of 18 to 24-year-old males live with their parents. Now, there can be some reasons for that. Maybe this is happening for a brief time after coming home from college. But really, a lot of the time, it's just because these young men aren't driving themselves to get out on their own and get their own lives established. And again, society is working against men. The cost of living is so high now that it really does take a lot more effort to become independent from parental support. But the fact is, more men are living at home with their parents than women. 25 to 34 years old, 20% of men living with their parents, almost double the rate of women between 25 and 34. So men are doing worse than women today. It's just, just a real shame what is happening to men. Women are more successful in education. They are pursuing higher education more than men are. And it's even getting to the point where women are avoiding courtship and marriage 
because they are focused on their career. They don't want to be held back by a lazy man. Men are just not up to their standard, apparently. And so they have to choose whether to settle in marriage or just to avoid marriage altogether. Now, as we'll see, part of God's role for men is to be a provider. The man should be the breadwinner. The man should be the one earning the primary income. And yet, why would women agree to that if they can be more successful on their own? So you see in a way there with the man being the provider, that means he has to really aim high so that he can support a wife and children so that he can provide a good standard of living to them so that the woman is not enticed to go her own way and provide for herself. Now, why would society be fighting against manhood in such a way? Why would society undermine masculinity and encourage and support a reversal of the roles where women rule, where men fade into the background? Well, this was prophesied in your Bible. This is an end time curse on our nations. Isaiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. For behold, the Lord, the eternal of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. See, women and children are in charge. Men are oppressed. And more and more, men are becoming okay with that. They're calling themselves feminists. They're wearing skinny jeans. They're growing out their hair down to their shoulders and below. And they're just pathetic. How can a society survive when the men are falling apart? When the men are depressed? When the men have no purpose? When the men do not make sacrifices for the women and children and do all they can to protect and provide. Where are we headed today? And what is manhood? This book, Biblical Manhood, again, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, outlines seven God-given roles for men. Man of God, leader, provider, protector, husband, father, builder. 
Notice what this book talks about. Embracing your destiny. Purifying your heart. Doing hard things. Keeping your word. Leading. Crushing inferiority and weakness. Taking responsibility. Who does that today? Where is the accountability today? The self-awareness. Everyone's falling into a victim mentality today. Always trying to blame others. Always trying to escape any blame on themselves. This book talks about deciding. Being a people person. Being a breadwinner. Building work ethic. Forging vigorous health. Getting stronger. Maintaining your home. Protecting women and children. Confronting. Smiling through trials, praying for others, keeping your wedding vows, leading your wife spiritually, understanding your wife. Perhaps that is the toughest test of all for most men. Deepening your love, using your office, filling your home with love turning the hearts of your children to God. Making your son into a man. Being your daughter's hero. Thinking big. Sharing your talents. Mentoring others. Living with purpose. And starting all that right now. You can find all this in biblical manhood. And at least in your own life. And in your orbit, you can start working to reverse this societal curse. It won't last forever. God won't make this curse permanent upon us. But we all have to learn some serious lessons. God is purposely taking away all the leaders from our nation. But you don't have to fall into that trap. You don't have to be a pathetic soy boy just because the leaders are. That's not how it has to be. We have some really great examples from history that we can learn a lot from. Men who understood the value of virtue. Now, of course... Benjamin Franklin should come to mind for many of you. He understood the value of virtue. He had his famous list of 13 virtues. And he understood that trying to live a moral life made him a better man. It made him a real man. But it's not easy. Everything around us, everything within us fights against us being real men. This is what Benjamin Franklin wrote in part two of his autobiography. I conceived the bold and arduous project of arriving at moral perfection. I wished to live without committing any fault at any time. I would conquer all that either natural inclination, custom, or company might lead me into. 
As I knew or thought I knew what was right and wrong, I did not see why I might not always do the one and avoid the other. So Benjamin Franklin starts out on this personal improvement journey and he says, okay, I generally know what is right and what is wrong. So I'll simply choose right and avoid wrong. That's all. But notice what he learns very quickly here. But I soon found I had undertaken a task of more difficulty than I had imagined. While my care was employed in guarding against one fault, I was often surprised by another. Habit took the advantage of inattention. Inclination was sometimes too strong for reason. So basically, he figures out that he's going to have to avoid. He's going to have to break these bad habits. He's going to have to build good habits. This means every day making little decisions that build on each other over time. And eventually arriving where we want to be. So if someone like Benjamin Franklin could try and yet frequently fail to live up to his own standard of moral perfection, doesn't that mean we're all going to have a battle on our hands? Isn't it going to be a challenge for all of us? And yet God says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Christ in us makes it possible to obey God and keep his law. The power of God's Holy Spirit leading us. Otherwise, it just cannot be done. But we still must exert every ounce of effort that we have to make it happen. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So there's a difference between a boy and a man. A man, like it says in the biblical manhood book, does hard things. He does what he knows he must do. He faces up to his responsibilities and he takes care of business. And he serves other people ahead of himself. We need to get back to teaching real manhood. God's church today, the Philadelphia Church of God, teaches all about real manhood. And it's a lofty standard. Yet there are plenty of outstanding examples in the Bible, biblical heroes who were able to live up to God's standard for the most part who were strong husbands and fathers, who did work hard, who did put God first, who did fight against 
the evil pulls of the world around us. We need real manhood today. If we could restore manhood, we would save our nation. We would not be crippled by stolen elections and mass hoaxes like climate change and the broken, open southern border that is just allowing illegals to flow through by the millions. Real men confront problems and they solve those problems with logic and common sense and a sound mind without being overtaken by emotion. Our leaders today are emotionally incontinent. They don't do any research before forming their opinions. They're ignorant. So we need real men today. Notice this poem from the book, Biblical Manhood. This is titled Self-Examination by Isaac Watts. And this is just some encouragement for us to examine ourselves and start being men right now. Again, Self-Examination by Isaac Watts. And we'll just conclude with this. Let not soft slumber close your eyes before you've collected thrice the train of action through the day. Where have my feet chose out their way? What have I learnt? Where'er I've been? From all I've heard, from all I've seen. What have I more that's worth the knowing? What have I done that's worth the doing? What have I sought that I should shun? What duty have I left undone? Or into what new follies run? These self-inquiries are the road that lead to virtue and to God. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.